A recent study found that less than 10% of people who make a New Year's resolution actually follow through and see it into reality. The reason is, is that believing for better is easy, but becoming better is enormously difficult. It's difficult to change who we are, to become all that God intends for us to become. But even though it's difficult, it's not impossible. Why? Because we serve a God that does the impossible. And there's things that he wants to change in our lives so that he can change our future, but we must be willing to partner with him and allow him to work on the inside of our life so that we can become better. In fact, that's the title of today's message, Become Better. I want to invite you to say it with me. Say it boldly. Become better. Say it again with me. Become better. One more time. Become better. I believe God's plan for all of us is to become better. And I believe that in this season, he's going to empower us to become better. Why? Because better is possible. With God, better is possible. With God, better is inevitable. If we're willing to partner with him, if we're willing to allow him to influence our life, he can transform our future. Now in life, it's important that we are content with what we have, but dissatisfied with who we are. Oftentimes in life, we get it reversed, where we're dissatisfied with what we have and we're content with who we are. But God, even though he loves us right where we're at and with who we are, he is always seeking to advance us because if he can advance us, he can help us move into the future that he has for us. So this this season of life, I want to encourage you. Don't just believe for better, become better. Don't just think about it, actually do something about it. In fact, neuropsychologists recently found out that if your talk doesn't match your walk, if you're walking lower than you're actually talking in your life, then to stop talking, that is the recommendation. Why? Because sometimes what happens when we talk, we actually believe that we've already completed the activity. In fact, they found that when we talk about our dreams and we're not in the process of actually fulfilling them, we get a release of a chemical in our brain called dopamine. And dopamine makes us feel really great. The problem is, is that it tricks our brain into believing that we've already completed it, that we've already experienced success. And so we lose the energy and the motivation to move forward. So if you find that your talk is bigger than your walk, stop talking and allow God to work within you. Some of us, we need to tuck the dreams of God in our heart and begin to take steps with him, begin to move forward with him, and then as we're moving forward, we can give him praise for what he's already done and what he is about to do, but we're already in process to becoming better. Why am I mentioning all of this? It's because this is a simple truth about life. We grow by courageous actions, not good intentions. In life, good intentions aren't good enough. They don't move the needle. If my boss assigns something to me and I say, well, I had good intentions to get it done, what's my boss going to say to me? Nope, that doesn't work. Your kids, they tell you that. Parents, they say, I had good intentions to clean my room. Does that work for you? 
No, it does not work. Good intentions aren't good enough. We must be willing to take courageous action to move into the future God has for us because no one drifts into excellence. We cannot coast into the future that God has for us. We must boldly take a step forward and allow him to empower us through his Holy Spirit so that we can experience the plan and the purpose of God. Today, I want to invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look again at this passage of Scripture that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Paul's a first century believer in Jesus, and he's there to encourage them to not only believe in God, but also to become better. I want to invite you to join me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and following. Open up your Bible, open up your Westover app. Also, just want to make mention that if you want to continue this conversation with the people that you love, at the bottom of, of our notes in the Westover app, there is a group experience that you can use with your life group, with your family members, about how you can become better and how they can become better. So I just want to mention that. Well, let's dive into the Word of God. And I'm inviting us to have an open heart to what God wants to speak to us about becoming better. Verse 14, this is the words of the Apostle Paul. These words were written to them to encourage them, but they're also to encourage us. Let's look together. Verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's saying this. It doesn't matter your generation. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. If you believe in Jesus, you're all part of God's family. And we have the privilege as God's family to call him Father. He goes on to say this in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, say strengthen you, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may what? May dwell in your hearts through faith. And then it says in verse 21, as Paul wraps up this prayer, he says this, to him be glory in the church forever and ever, amen. Paul is praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's seeking the heart of God for us. And Paul praying is something that we would expect. But Paul kneeling while he's praying is actually something that is unexpected and unusual. You may be wondering why. Why is that unexpected and unusual? Let me give you a little bit of the history of Paul. Paul, at this point, when he's writing this letter He's an old man. He has spent 25 years serving God after spending most of his formative years persecuting the church. God transforms his life. He becomes better. But then he spends 25 years spreading the gospel in very hostile territory. So much so that by this point, his body is broken. At this point, he's actually going blind. For you see, in his journeys off to, to spread the gospel, here's what happened to Paul. During, that, during the course of that time, he was stoned one time. He was arrested and thrown in jail twice. He was beaten with a rod three times. He was shipwrecked three times, and he was whipped five times. By this point, Paul has a broken body, but his spirit is not broken because he believes in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when he kneels to pray unto the Father to intercede for us, it doesn't matter how much he hurts. It doesn't matter how difficult his life has been. He still knows that 
that God can accomplish immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. And he's not even praying for himself. He is praying for us. How do I know that? Because prayers never expire. Prayers never expire. Sir, you're separated from your wife and you're praying your wife back. Prayers don't expire. Mom or dad, you're praying for your adult child who's run away from God. Remember, prayers don't expire. Young lady who's struggling with cancer, remember, prayers don't expire. Prayers don't expire. Prayers don't expire. Prayers don't expire. Some of us, we need to write that on the tablet of our hearts. Remember that even though we haven't seen the miracle yet, we can still pray because God is good and faithful and everything that's prayed in the will of God, God will accomplish it. He will make it happen. So Paul kneeling is a profound challenge, but he still prays for us. And the reason Paul still knelt was because he understood a practical truth, and it's this. He understood that you can act your way into your thoughts and into your feelings. You can act your way into your thoughts and into your feelings. Those of you who enjoy sports, you know this to be true. Whenever you watch the Olympics and there's the track athletes behind the blocks, what do they do? They jump, right, to get warmed up. The other thing that jumping does is that it puts them in the mind frame to get ready to run. There's something about a specific repetitive physical behavior that prepares their mind and heart to get them in the zone. You also know this. Basketball players, they shoot baskets before the game to warm up. They run practice drills to warm up. Baseball players, they swing what? A bat. And they play catch. Why? Because it gets them prepared. They can act their way into their feelings and to their mindset. And I'll just say this to parents. If you have a child that has low self-esteem, encourage them to change their body position because it'll change how they think about themselves. If they fake it long enough, they'll make it. If they hang their head low, if they just lift up their head and they roll their shoulders back, it may feel weird. It may be hard for them to look adults in the eyes, but if they're willing to do it and extend a firm handshake, eventually they will act their way into the person they want to become. Because we can act our way into our thoughts and our feelings. But even more importantly, Paul understood a deeper spiritual truth, and it's simply this. You can act your way into your faith. I'm going to say it again. You and I, we can act our way into our faith. If you feel like your prayer life is flat, then kneel. Do something different. If necessary, lay down on the carpet in your living room to intercede and seek the heart of God. If you are having a hard time entering into worship, don't just stand there and stare at the lyrics. Start singing the words. But if you're singing the words and your worship is flat, then raise your hands. If necessary, come up to the front. Why? Because we can act our way into our faith. If you want to see spiritual transformation in your home and in your marriage and in your family, start praying. Start reading the Bible as a family. Start doing family devotions together. Why? Because we can act our way into our faith. And this is what Paul is teaching us. What we do on the outside can change who we are on the inside. 
But today, but today, I want to encourage us to look deeper. Because, yes, we can act our way into our faith, but transformation really happens when we let God in. When we let him into our heart to help us become better. And so today I want to share with you two truths about God that will help us become better. Number one, realize that God must work in us before he works through us. He must work in us before he can work through us. God wants to work through your life, but if there's things in your life that prevent the will of God and the way of God moving forward, he's got to clean that out first before he can work through you. Because if he works through you without changing you on the inside, then what you provide to people is both the blessing of God, but also the mess that's in your heart. And he's saying, transform. Let me transform you from the inside out. Inward transformation produces outward transformation. And here it is. Who we are on the inside determines what we become on the outside. If you want to become something different, become a different who on the inside. Because it's always who before do. Say it again. It's always who before do. If you want to see lasting change in your life, change who you are and it'll change what you do. But more importantly, the fastest way to see instant transformation in your life and in your heart is to let God in and let him change who you are and that will help you change what you do. If God is in charge, he can change everything in your life in just one moment. Today could be a day of miracles for you. Not about you, but I don't want to miss the miracle of God. I don't want us to miss the miracle of God. I believe he is miracles just waiting for each one of us. And he wants to hand it to us. But he's saying, let me work on the inside so I can change your life and change your future. And the way God does it, the way he transforms our life and our heart is through the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul says in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, say glorious riches, Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in what? In your inner being. He's talking about inward transformation. The Holy Spirit wants to step in and change our heart so he can change our life. And the Holy Spirit does it by coming into our heart and bringing the manifest glory of God into our heart. Now, the glory of God, let me explain to you the best I can. And actually, my words aren't sufficient to explain it, but I'm going to give you the best I can give you on how to explain the glory of God. The glory of God is the matchless fullness of the nature and the character of God. It is the sum total of all his attributes, his holiness, his perfection, his truth, his justice, his capacity, his strength is all encompassed in the glory of God. And because of that, The glory of God is is infinite and inexhaustible. I'm going to say it again, and I'm wanting it to get in our hearts. The glory of God is infinite and inexhaustible. That means that it never runs out. Whatever it is that you need from God, he always has more. When he gives it away from you, there's never a deficit within him because he's full of all of his glory. 
Again, that's why the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with what? His glory. I've been praying this week that today the glory of God would be expressed and made manifest in this house and in our hearts. What does the glory of God do? It gives us everything we need. But Paul specifically here, he prays that God would strengthen us with power, that he would imbue us with his power and that power would change who we are on the inside. That power flows out of the immeasurable, unmatchable, inexhaustible glory of God. And that power that comes through the Holy Spirit, it is multidimensional. Let me just share with you very quickly. That power is constant. It is there available to us as believers, whether we use it or not. It's also like a spiritual muscle. The more the power of God we use in our life or we allow God to flow within us, it gets stronger. The other part is that the glory of God is the strongest energy or force in the universe because it just isn't an energy of force. It is a person called the Holy Spirit. We live in a culture that celebrates, oh, I'm finding this energy for myself. Forget all that. We don't need the energy of the world. We need the energy that only comes from God, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That power that the Holy Spirit brings to us is like the nuclear core that Iron Man has in his chest, but so much stronger. In fact, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available and wanting to be active and working in our own heart if we're willing to welcome the Holy Spirit in. That same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that's available to us. And because of that power, because of that power, God has the power to change within us the things that we can't change about ourselves. The fact that we are afraid, that we have anxiety, that we have depression, that we are stuck in an unhealthy relationship, that we're stuck in an unhealthy pattern or an addictive behavior or we're addicted to a substance or we are struggling to move forward after a divorce. Guess what? Because of the power of God, we can move forward. We can become better because that's what the power of God does. It breaks bondage and it helps people move forward. And we need to lean into that. So how do we access that power? We do it through prayer and submission. We have to submit to God. It starts by saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross to forgive my sin and I want to accept your forgiveness. In fact, I say, God, I'm sorry for running away from you. I'm sorry for sinning against you. Be in charge of my life today and forever. And if you pray a prayer just like that from your heart, guess what? God hears it and he comes to live in your life. And then secondly, by asking Jesus, who is the gift giver, to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift God promised. He said, if you're willing to ask for the Holy Spirit, I will provide it. All you do is you say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm asking you, the gift giver, to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit so that he can bring the power that I need in my life. I want a different life and a different future. Change me from the inside out. Work in my inner being. And if you pray it earnestly, he'll do it. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but eventually as you earnestly seek him, he will do it. But I believe that for some people today, he will do it today, even today, even here, even now. 
God can make it happen. If you earnestly seek him, he can provide the power that you need so you can move forward. Which brings me to the second truth about God that will help us become better. Number two, we need to realize that God empowers people for eternal impact. You aren't just created to make an impact at work, but to create an eternal impact. We were created to make an impact that will last for eternity. In the lives of our kids, in the lives of our grandkids, in the lives of our neighbors, in our coworkers. But that eternal impact always starts with us. There's an eternal impact that God wants to create within us. It starts in our life and in our family. This is what Paul says in verses 16 and 17. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you through his spirit so that Christ may what? May dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he ends with this, to him be glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. This word dwell, it means move in. It means that Jesus wants to move into our heart. He doesn't want to just visit with us on the weekends. He wants to be fully integrated into our life and into our heart. When my wife and I, we first started out, we found a home that we were excited about. And so we hired a realtor. The realtor took us in and we were able to look at the house. We were able to visit and look and see all the things that were in that house. We went from a smaller apartment to a little bit bigger of a home and we were excited. I went down to the garage and I looked at all the space that that was gonna be available to me. I didn't have to store the, the lawnmower outside in a, in a shed, I could put it in the garage. But what I didn't realize, because I was newly married, was that while I was looking at the garage, my wife was making a honeydew list. Because we had decided to buy the house. And the honeydew list was a mile long. And on that list it said, we need to change the fixtures. We need to change the fans. We need to change the curtains. We need to paint the house. We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to. I said, great. What I didn't know is that in marriage, we means me. The honey-do list had nothing for my honey to do. It was for me to do. We went ahead and we went through the process of purchasing the home. But we couldn't make changes in the home till we owned it. When we were visiting, we could look, but we couldn't change anything. But the moment the other, the person who owned it signed it over to us and gave us the deed and gave us the keys, right at that moment, we were able to make any of the changes. Actually, I was able to make all the changes my wife wanted me to make. The same is true about God. He doesn't want to just visit with us. He wants full ownership of our heart. Why? Because visitors can't make changes, but owners can. Visitors can't make changes, but owners can. And God wants to own our heart so that he can change our life. Jesus said this in John 14, 23. Anyone who loves me will what? Will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and will come, and we will come to them and make our home with them. In the words of Jesus, loving Him is not enough. Obeying Him is. We need to love Him and obey Him. In fact, to Jesus, obeying Him is letting Him own our life. Today, I want to challenge you. 
to go beyond just loving him. Let him move into your heart. Let him dwell in your heart. Let him be the one who owns your heart and owns your life and owns your decisions. We live in a culture that says just pray a prayer and then go back to live however you used to live. This verse tells us that if you love me, you obey my teaching. He's inviting us to take a step further, to obey him. Let's obey him today. That's why our mission is this. It doesn't say love Jesus. It says follow Jesus. Why? Because in our mission, God's inviting us into a specific kind of relationship where he's in charge, he's leading, and we are following. Our mission is follow Jesus and love people. We believe that as we follow Jesus and obey him, he will then give us the capacity to love other people. That eternal transformation happens when we start following him, but then it continues by us loving other people. In fact, I believe God wants us to reflect his glory. In verse 21, Paul says, to him be glory in the church forever and ever, amen. Just like a, a bride on her wedding day radiates, she gleams for the pleasure of her future husband, but also to bring awe to the people in the audience. In the same way, we, the church, were created to radiate the presence of God to the world. It's not good enough for us to just be hidden in a back room. We need to reflect God's glory to a dying world, to a world that's going into the afterlife without him. We need to allow him to impact our life Today, I want to invite you right here, right now, to open up your heart and be willing to let the glory of God in. Allow him to speak to you about the changes that you need to make so that you can fully pursue him. The way I want to encourage you to do this is through an acronym called PLOW. I want you to plow your heart. I want you to pray, listen, and obey. I believe that if you do that, God will produce a wow. If you pray, listen, obey, God will give a wow. If you pray, listen, and obey, God will produce a wow. If you pray, listen, and obey, God will create the wow. He will do the wow in your life that you're praying for if you just pray, listen, and obey. Maybe he's inviting you to start family devotions together. Maybe he's inviting you to work less and spend more time with your family. Maybe he's inviting you to step out of those difficult and unhealthy, unproductive conversations at work with your coworkers. Maybe you need to stop going to happy hour and start coming to church more often. Maybe we need to work more on our marriages than we do our fantasy league, guys. Maybe we need to actually step in and instead of just coming, we need to give our life and our energy and our focus to volunteer to serve other people. Maybe it is to increase our generosity. Maybe it's just to start giving. Whatever it is that he speaks, pray, listen, and obey. Be willing to obey whatever God says. And then I want to challenge you to write down what he tells you to do. How do I want you to do that? I want you to do that through what I'm calling a commitment card. You should have received a commitment card as you came in. If you did not raise your hand, we'd love to put one in your hand. Here's what I'd like for you to do like for you to pray, listen, and obey. And then right here, I'd love for you to write down what your commitment is to God. Whatever he tells you after you've prayed and you've listened, 
I want you to write it down. And then I'm going to invite you to, to self-address it to yourself because we're going to hold on to this card and then we're going to mail it back to you later this year. Before you turn in this card, we're inviting you to take a photo of your commitment and tag out Westover Hills so that we can celebrate your commitment before God. You can turn it in today at the end of service with our ushers as you exit the building. Or you can hold on to it till next week. If you need more time, hold on to it next week. And during the week, when God reveals what he wants you to do, I want you to write it down. Allow God to speak to you. Pastor Danae and I, we prayed, listened and obeyed as we were preparing for the service last year praying for this moment and the Lord challenged us he challenged us to increase our generosity since the very beginning when we were dating and we just got married we we decided that we were going to be faithful with the tithe that we weren't going to steal from God that we were going to give to him the honor that he is due and so we did that but this year God challenged us to double our giving it's a big faith step your faith step mate doesn't have to be ours, but whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take that step because we grow through courageous actions, not through good intentions. As I mentioned, you can turn in the card today or you can turn it in next weekend because next weekend is our commitment weekend where we are collectively going to say, God, we commit to the better that you have and our commitments are, gonna what, are, are, what, are, are what gonna allow us to step into the future that God has for us. And so today as I close, I wanna invite you to stand with me. We're stepping into a moment of worship, into a moment of communion. And as we partake of communion, I'm gonna invite you to pray in your own heart that God would reveal to you what you need to do and the plan he has for you. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Let's bless these elements. Jesus, we welcome you into this moment right now. We come right up to the table, to your table. We ask that the express manifest glory of your presence would be made evident in this moment. That, Lord, you'd be the one administering communion to us. Help us remember the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us to give us life, hope, and a future. And Lord, you made a great commit, you, you, you made a great commitment to us. You had a courageous action. You displayed that on the cross to express your love to us. And Lord, you're inviting us to do the same. I pray, Lord, for every person who is here and watching online, God, that you would speak to them. May they pray, listen, and obey. And as they do that, may you provide the wow that you have for them in their life. Bless these elements in your people today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I want to invite you to retrieve the bread. The Bible tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered for a meal with his disciples. And he took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat of it, remember me. So I invite you to break right now and let's remember the broken body of Christ together. Just take a moment under your breath and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And after they had taken the bread, he took the cup 
He said, this cup represents my blood, which is the new covenant. It's the promise I'm making to you that there's the forgiveness of sin, that there's eternal life, that there's healing. He says, every time you take it, I want you to remember me. So as we take together, can we remember the sacrifice of Jesus? Let's take in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as we step into this moment of worship, may you speak to our hearts about the commitments you want us to make, the covenants you're inviting us to make with you so we can see the better that is possible, the better that you have planned for us. Help us be courageous in our actions to step out in faith with you, believing that what you speak to us, you will accomplish. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to experience the matchless, incomparable, inexhaustible presence and glory of God, I want to invite you to come up to the altar and just worship for a moment. I believe that he's going to fill you to overflowing and that he's going to pour out his spirit upon you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.